It's time to find our way home. I'd like to teach you this morning one of the great stories of the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's simply called Ruth, but it has the seeds of greatness in it. If you'll understand what it really means that happens to her and what she really does. What stories do you need to hear so that you keep, you keep going on with your life? What's the anchor that holds in the middle of the storms of your life? Three stories, three answers. Welcome back to something to believe in. The book of Ruth is easily divided into four acts. There are four chapters. I like to see them as acts because each one has a movement. Each one has a story almost within a story. So let's begin with Ruth, Act 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name, Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Epaphrites from Bethlehem in Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. The days of the judges is the time, say about 1000 BC, back to about 1350 BC. And there wasn't a formal central government at that point in the life of Israel. There were judges, and these judges were the ones that, that set policy, and they, they set direction, and there, if people had problems, they would seek out the judges and go to them, and they would get help for their lives, the organization of their lives, the problem resolution of their lives, and this was in that time period. And notice in this first section of Act 1, there's a mention of a little town. It comes twice. Bethlehem, Bethlehem. It's almost like the whisper of something that is to come. Now, Limelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. By verse 5 in the story, there is great grief and sadness and heartbreak. There's devastation because if you didn't have a provider, if you didn't have someone there to protect and provide in those days, then you were destitute. You were a widow. Widows are always mentioned in, almost in the same breath. Widows and orphans. Widows and orphans. Who is going to take care of Naomi now? Who is going to take care of Orpah and Ruth? They are in a very terrible time when she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. But in Naomi's mind, she's thinking, I think maybe I should just go by myself these, these young women should stay here. This is where their, their family is. This is where they have friends. Everybody knows them here. Maybe they'll get married again. Maybe they can go on with their lives. My life is ruined. My husband is dead. My sons are dead. But that doesn't mean their lives have to be ruined too. 
And so she stops and she says, go back, go back each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. So that's what she thinks is the best choice. But she kissed them and they wept aloud and they said to her, we will go back with you to your people. And they're out there on the road and there's tears and there's hugging and there's crying. But she says, no, go back. Why do you want to come with me? I'm too old to get married again. I can't have any more sons. And even if I had any more sons, would you wait until they grew up? And they're just carrying on and crying and hugging. And she says, it is more bitter for me than for you. As bad as it is for you, it's more horrible for me because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. I lost my husband and my sons. I have nothing. Verse 14, at this they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Ruth was, was like glue. She was just hanging in there and hanging in there. She wouldn't let her go. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her, she implores. Verse 16 is one of, the, one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Ruth is in this for the long haul. Ruth somehow knows that it is her job and responsibility because she married into this family to protect her mother-in-law, to stick with her, to not let her go on this journey all by herself. She is in for life. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Is this the Naomi that left here so many years ago? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, which means bitter. Don't call me pleasant. Her name means pleasant. What is, what is pleasant? It's like a cool breeze on a hot day. What's pleasant? Sitting and watching a beautiful sunset, watching pelicans fly over the ocean down at the beach. But don't call me anything pleasant. My life has been ruined. Call me bitter because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full. When I left years ago, my life was perfect. I had the perfect life. I had a husband who loved me. I had two strong sons. We we're going out to seek and to find what the future would hold for us and what it would bring. And everything caved in on me. I went away full. But the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. If you remember from last week, this is crunching stage two faith. This is where you go, I don't know what's happening. My life is falling apart. And you want me to have faith in the middle of my life falling apart? So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. End of Act 1. Act 2. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side from the clan of Elimelech, a man of standing whose name was, was Boaz. Boaz is the good guy. 
He, he is going to help. He helps people. He jumps in the gaps with people. You can count on him. He's the guy you want to show up when things are bad. But they need to survive in these early days of coming back. And the only way to survive is somebody's got to go out and get some food. Somebody's got to go out and go to work. And so Ruth shoulders the responsibility to go to work. It says, and Ruth said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. If I find somebody that'll just let me go and just pick up the stuff that's left on the ground, uh, maybe that'll help to get us food. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went out and began to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. And that word glean, of course, just means to pick up leftover stuff. And when I told this story to you some years ago, I told you about how when I would go to New York with my father, and you go to this place called the Hunts Point Market, where produce comes in from all over the United States, and huge tractor trailers back up to these enormous docks, and they unload tomatoes, and they unload bananas, and they, they unload cabbage, and, and lettuce, and, and all kinds of sweet potatoes, potatoes, and what happens in the unloading process is produce falls under the dock. And if you looked between the tractor trailers, there were always people there picking up what had fallen under the dock. They were gleaning. They were gleaning to take the food to the poor. We still do this to this very day. And so she went out to glean in the fields behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she found herself working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. So he's the relative. Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they called back. Boaz asked the foreman of his harvesters, whose young woman is that? She had caught his eye. She was young and she was pretty and she was working hard and, and she just she made a statement of her character just by the way she carried herself, just by the way she was determined. And it, it was noticed by Boaz. The foreman replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She went into the field and has worked steadily from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in any other field and don't go away from here. Stay here with my servant girls. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the girls. I have told the men not to touch you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. We call this flirting. <laughs> At this she bowed down with her face to the ground. She exclaimed, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me a foreigner? Boaz replied, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother in your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Remember the word wings. Just file it back here right now. May I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord, she said. You have given me comfort and have spoken kindly to your servant, though I do not have the standing of one of your servant girls. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here. Have some bread and dip it in the wine vinegar. Now, this doesn't sound like a move, but this was a big move. You know, this was a continuing of the flirting. Uh, come over here and 
dip some bread in, in the wine vinegar, the old wine vinegar move, aha. So then, you know, this, this is going on, and she gleaned until evening. It says that she, she threshed the barley she had gathered, and it amounted to about an epaph. And, and they've calculated what these, these measurements were, and it was about 22 liters. So if you imagine 11 two-liter bottles here on the stage, it wouldn't be that much. It was 11 two-liter bottles full quantity of the barley that she had threshed. And she brought it home to Naomi, and she was all excited. And, and her mother-in-law said, where did you glean today? Where did you work? And this is just amazing. This whole thing is just amazing. And Ruth told her mother-in-law about Boaz and where she was working. And, the, and the, Naomi said, well, bless him. And, and this, is, this is great. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. She added, that man is our close relative. He is one of our kinsmen redeemers. Again, this kinsman redeemer, we don't use... This, this wording today or this, this style of talking, but he was like social security. He was like social services. He was, was like um, health care, the whole health care system, the, the Boaz health care, BoCare. He was, it's, it's, what, it's what he did. He just took care of people in their need. He, was, he showed up. He looked. He said, nobody should, should be hungry. Nobody should be without shelter. And, and nobody should be hurting in their life if, if I can help them. And that was his role. And he loved that role that he, that he shouldered in his life. And at this point, he was watching over this young woman that had caught his eye. End of Act 2. Act 3. This is where the Bible becomes a chick flick. And I'm telling you, it's a real chick flick. One day, Naomi and her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you'll be well provided for? Her mind is turning. Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? We sort of like have a connection here tonight. He will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself and put on your best clothes. Then go down and do some Zumba. And then... <laughs> and then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I don't want to read anymore. <laughs> this is church. It's a chick flick, I'm telling you. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet. Hold the phone! Well, they didn't have phones. Like, who are you? He asked. What? What? What's the deal here? I'm your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer. And, and the, the, the wording there, spread the corner of your garment, could also be translated wing. Remember the, the wings of God? Spread your wing over me since you are a person who takes care of people. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. 
You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am near of kin, there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Dun, dun, dun. In the middle of the chick flick, all of a sudden, there's another guy. And everybody's going, oh, no, another guy is going to come in and take Ruth. There's a twist to the story. Who is this guy? Where is he coming from? What are his motives? Is he a good guy or is Boaz the, the real good guy? Stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to redeem, good. Let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. She lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. So even in those days, people are going out the back door. He also said, he also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and put it on her. Then he went back to town. The barley was like, I want you to be my valentine. It was like a valentine card, the barley. We do flowers, we do candy. In those days, they couldn't eat flowers and they didn't have candy, so they did barley. I love you, here's barley. <laughs> when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go? How did it go, my daughter? And she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley. And they're going, whoa, we have barley, we have food. Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed is what he said. And, you know, this, this guy, he takes care, he's taking care of Ruth. He's thinking about the mother-in-law. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. I know Boaz. He's a man who gets things done. He's a man, he doesn't wait for anybody. He's going to, something is going to happen tomorrow. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat there. When the kinsman redeemer he had mentioned came along, Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. And Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town, and he said, he said sit here. And they did so. And then for a while, they just, they just talked. They talked about the, the baseball playoffs. They talked about the, the crazy refs that they had to kick out of the NFL. They talked about the, the play, you know, Green Bay, the Seahawks. They talked about everything that men talk about, camel rodeo stuff. And then finally, they decided to talk about Ruth and Naomi. Turns out Naomi still has a little bit of land that she can sell from her husband. And he said to the kinsman, Redeemer. This is the guy that's now above him because he knows he's got to do this in the right order. This has to be the right political process, the right social process, the right fa family process. Um, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. So he's being very cool very understated, he's not showing his cards, but if you will not tell me, so I will know, and for no one has the right to it except you, I'm next in line. I might, I might want to buy it, just might. I will redeem it, he said. So he makes his play for the land. Okay. The women who are watching the chick flick are screaming, no, no, she's got to marry Boaz, don't let the other guy get her. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, 
On the day you buy the land from Naomi and from Ruth, the Moabitess, you acquire the dead man's widow in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. Hmm. So I do this, and then I'm sort of like married again to this widow. I don't think so. At this, the kinsman redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I'm out. Mm -hmm. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions. So the kinsman redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And so he removes his sandal and he hands it over. And that's the deal. So if you were making a deal today, you would go, hey, here's my sandal. Just take it. Done deal. Sandal, done deal. You gave me the sandal. It's it. Can't have the sandal back. It's done. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people. See, he had already pulled the witnesses together. Boaz is, is thinking way ahead of the game. Today you are witnesses that I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malan. I've also acquired Ruth, the Moabitess, Malan's widow, as my wife in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from the town records. Today you are witnesses. And somebody should have said, you may kiss the bride because it was a done deal. Then the elders and all those at the gate said, we're witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. May you be famous in Bethlehem and may every good thing happen to you all for the rest of your life. So Boaz, so Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. Then he went to her and the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Now let's cut back to Naomi, because we don't understand the story until we get back to Naomi. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman redeemer. Who's the kinsman redeemer for her? May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Her kinsman redeemer, the one that's going to take care of her the rest of her life, is her grandson. And that's the way it was. So Naomi starts out. Her life is crushed. She's lost everything. But by Act 4, she's, she's received everything and more back. God did not forget her. God did not cut her off. She went through the most painful time of her life, but God heard the pain of her heart, and God gave her her grandson. Then Naomi took the child, laid him in her lap, and cared for him. And you can... You can see the hugging. You can see the kissing of the little baby face. You can see the tears. You can get the, the smell of that little baby. And it's all good. Because God is always good no matter what happens. And he's always in control no matter what is happening in our lives. And some of us today need to remember that. And some of us today need to hold on to that. The women living there said, 
Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David, the father of David the king. End of act four, but not the end of the play. You see, there's an, there's an act five, but act five isn't here. It's not in the book of Ruth. You have to go to Matthew chapter one. And in Matthew chapter one, you see the names, Boaz, Ruth, just before you see the name Jesus, because Jesus came out of the Davidic line, you know. And if it wasn't for this, this young woman who hung on to her mother-in-law, if it wasn't for this young woman who had faith in the middle of the storms of her life, God wouldn't have been able to connect all the dots that needed to be connected to get us to Jesus. Act five is Jesus because of the faith and love of a woman named Ruth. And where was he born? Ah, the whisper of Bethlehem comes back around to warm our hearts once more. The theme of Act One, to find your way home, you have to see the themes in this story. The theme of Act One is you can't stop life from crushing you. Whether it's this year or next or 10 years down the road, life will do its work of demolition. It is that moment called the dark night of the soul that stalks you in the night, patient for its moment to knock you down. But that moment is always just a beginning of something new. The theme of Act Two is connecting. When you do the next right thing, you put yourself under God's wings. Ruth, Ruth just kept doing the next right thing. I'm gonna do the next right thing. I'm gonna do the next right thing. When you do the next right thing, God will make the next right connection happen in your life. When you sacrifice to help someone, you are connecting with God's heart. When you connect with God's heart, you don't have to worry about the future. And that's what Jesus said. Don't worry about everything everybody worries about. Don't worry about food, don't worry about clothes. Seek first his kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. All these things will be added to your life. The theme of Act 3 is women always know what to do, so watch out. And that's the theme there. The theme of Act 4 is grace, more than we deserve, greater than we imagine. Max Lucado has a new book out, and that's the title of it, Grace, More Than We Deserve, Greater Than We Imagine. And he writes, the same work God did through Christ long ago on a cross is the work God does through Christ right now in you. Let him do his work. Let grace trump your arrest record. Critics and guilty conscience, see yourself for what you are, God's personal remodeling project. Not a world to yourself, but a work in his hands. No longer defined by failures, but refined by them. Trusting less in what you do and more in what Christ did. Graceless less, grace-shaped more. Grace, more than we deserve, greater than we imagine. So what in the world are you doing here? Three Sundays, three stories, three answers.
third answer. What you're doing here is vitally connected to what, has, to what God has been doing for millennia. You're telling the story of grace by the way you live your life. Remember, it's not what you do as much as it is who you are. What in the world you're doing here is always tied to who you are. When who you are is right, what you usually do is right. If who you are is a never give up because grace might just be around the corner person, you will always find your way home. Ruth, Ruth found her way home because she always knew if she did the next right thing, grace was somewhere right around the corner. May you always find your way home. May grace prevail in your life today. Dear Heavenly Father, we, we hear a story like this from thousands of years ago. It just touches our hearts today. It's all it's the same story of our lives. Things happen that shouldn't happen, but they happen. We're crushed and we don't know what to do. And we feel abandoned. We cry out. We, we reorient. We try to do the next right thing. And suddenly, in the flash of a moment, grace appears. Grace takes over. Grace shows up. You show up. And in every way and for every reason, you love us into the future that you have always prepared for us. So, Father, help us. Help us each and every day to find our way home when we find your heart and we let our heart rest in you. We have always found our way home. In Jesus' name, amen.